BBCC episode 92, my realization of the day. After taking on an elite team of commandos led by a jacked up Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Yautja take on their most dangerous challenge yet. A pissed off Danny Glover and organized crime? Question mark? Uh, take a hit and pass that spooky shit. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror films. I am your host, Devon Taylor. Sitting across from me, I am Mr. Garrett McDowell. What up, what up? We're back. It's been a very Predator-filled week, uh, and we are back to talk about Predator 2. Uh, You and I got a chance to see the newest Prey. We're not going to spoil our thoughts here, even though you and I have probably already publicized them in in other places, but we'll keep up the guys uh, for the bit, for the show. I mean, mean, yeah, how how can we not? And, you know, I'm I'm not privy to dating the episodes and stuff. Like, yeah, we saw it, and and I'm actually very happy. Like, I've, I've, I've been really giddy this weekend over how uh excited people have been over this film and like the the reception it's getting and like it just makes me happy that like everybody seems to be on the same page this weekend like i have uh, i have bliss. really i really have not <laughs> seen like hardly any like negative and if it is negative it's just like oh it was like okay but like i haven't seen like like it's been great like i, I love it yeah yeah, I, it's it's a rare thing in the internet when most people, it's never going to be uh, uh, everyone, but for the most part, generally speaking, people seem to be uh, high on, on, on Pred Nation, uh, which naturally I've seen, I don't know about you, Devon, my letterbox feed is just a bunch of people rewatching the Predator films, which seems perfect for the one that we're talking about today. Because this one was a, a, a rewatch for me. I, I had seen the film before, but other than kind of like the elevator pitch of this movie, I didn't remember too much about it. So it was a, a pleasure to go back and uh, see what things I did remember, see what was kind of new and kind of fresh. And then also to see some call backs, call forwards with the, the new Prey movie, which I'm excited to uh, mention here. Yeah, I'm uh, intrigued. I hadn't, uh, this was basically like, I mean, I had seen it, but like a very long time ago, basically a first time watch, but like a, a rewatch. And um, uh, I don't know uh, what the temperature of my takes are with this movie. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's going to match up to the hotness in LA right now. Um, you guys um, be welcome that uh, for the quality of sound, I do not have like both ACs going. So I'm sweating <laughs> it out for you guys. Um, uh, me and Garrett both are, but, uh, I wonder how our guest is, uh, doing as far as, uh, temperature on the East coast. Um, I have a returning friend of the show. Um, the, this makes, uh, the first three time, uh, uh, guest on the show. So this is a special company as Jay Krieger, the host of the daily horror habit podcast is back. What's up, Jay? Not much. What's going on with you guys? Not much, welcome, man. Welcome. Yeah, you uh, you're the first uh, in the three timers club. So uh, we <laughs> uh, we don't have any jackets, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, but just just know you are you're a very special friend. Um, yeah. Once more, you get a free toaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always enjoy talking movies with you, and I'm excited to you know get to be back. And this is the first time I've been on since uh, obviously Garrett's joined, and I'm just excited to talk like you guys. I uh, I've got you know 
predator fever at the moment. I've been getting to watch prey. Um, it's been a, uh, an excuse to kind of just like stay away from the heat, right? I've been hanging out inside for a while, cranking the AC, <laughs> watching movies and, uh, you know, getting to revisit predator two after basically been rewatching the entire series over the course of like the last week, week and a half. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about predator two, which I know is definitely not a movie for everybody. So I'm excited to hear what you guys thought. Yeah, and I love that you uh, you came prepared. You cracked open a cold one. Makes me a little Absolutely. bit jealous. Uh, so yeah, maybe Devon and I will have to prepare next time. Maybe we'll have to crack open a couple of brewskis to talk about predators. But I was until now. <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna do beer, but um, I, I'm just not feeling it at the moment. So I, I uh, got some squirt, some uh, grapefruit soda on ice. <laughs> uh, so we were still nice and wet over here. Before we get into Predator Two, I did have an interesting uh, question. Um, as you know, we just watched. Prey, which uh, you know takes the predator into uh, the the Great Plains, and then uh, you know the hook of this movie is uh, the predator going into the city. Um, so intrigued with you know going forward, I'm assuming we're going to get some more predator movies. I hope they kind of keep this like anthology style going. So what yeah. would uh, what would be a location or interesting setting that you guys would want to see a predator movie? I have a couple ideas. Uh, Jay, do you have any ideas off the top of your head? Yeah, you know, I think Prey did a really great job at capitalizing on something that we'd previously only really gotten to see in like Dark Horse Comics one shots, right? You get to see these historical contexts of putting either mm-hmm. you know, Predator or aliens in it. Um, and so keeping with that, right, kind of either an 18th or 19th century setting, um, I would love to see, you know, a Predator taking on a crew of people in like the Arctic or something. Um, I was, it was great to see after the movie's release people have been kind of like spitballing ideas and it made me think about like historical films or series that I've watched and like, Oh, could this be a cool setting to drop a predator into? Uh, and I was thinking about something kind of along the lines of, uh, did you guys ever see that show? The terror. It was that AMC show that was about a crew that mm-hmm. ship basically gets stuck out in the Arctic and they're stranded out there. And I thought that something along those lines would be really cool and seeing like, Oh, initially it's just, Oh, we're trapped out in the elements. And then seeing a crew fall apart as they try to deal with that, right? Is it mutiny? Is it people succumbing to the elements? Or is there something out there hunting them? And I thought that that would be a really cool setting to see a predator, you know, run wild and Hmm. Okay. I could I could get down on that. And you know, because we did get a we get we get a little uh Antarctic in uh in Alien vs. Predator. Uh, mm. But not quite a uh, full-on, you know, predator movie set in. Right. And, and they and they don't even really use the Arctic landscape much either. They're in that like temple the whole mm. time, so it's like they don't really take advantage of it. So like, yeah, something like that, like a more isolated Arctic uh, film, would be kind of interesting. What about you, Garrett? Um, I, I love how Jay had a nice thoughtful answer. Um, there wasn't just like the oh snow would be cool. Where for me, I'm a little bit more sophomoric. I want to see a predator take down a dinosaur. So like seeing them in, in like prehistoric times <laughs> could be, be really interesting because to me, a dinosaur seems kind of like the apex predator of its day until it wasn't. And to see uh, uh, maybe a time traveling predator, have they figured out time travel, you know, uh, or what were the, the Yaucha up to in prehistoric times? What did their gadgets look like? Um, I'm with Jay that seeing them in throughout different time periods was really interesting to see how their, their, uh, or their arm armor had evolved, how their weaponry had evolved, how their tactics had evolved. So to see that taken back, you know, a millennia ago into 
the Jurassic era. That would be really fascinating. And I also just want to see a predator and like a velociraptor just go at each other. I think that'd be pretty sick. (laughs) (laughs) That would be uh, pretty sick. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue of, of a predator versus dinosaur. I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking, uh, I, I didn't really think of too many time period S ones. I was just like, kind of think of more just like scenarios, uh, mm-hmm. that I was thinking of. So one, um, I definitely want a predator out, out at sea somehow. So, uh, so I was thinking like maybe like a naval carrier or something like okay. that. Like, uh, maybe this naval carrier was like tasked with like, uh, transporting a cryo chirogenically frozen predator and of course he dethaws and of course he kills the whole crew and uh i mean because uh yeah a yaucha out on the water i feel uh would be a lot of fun and then i also thought a uh a predator in prison uh would be a uh, kind of interesting uh, uh maybe a prison in space uh you know try to uh take a little bit of uh alien three flavor and uh uh, do it better, maybe. I don't know, but uh, but I think a, a predator in a prison would be uh, very interesting. You know, just like a bunch of dangerous criminals. Um, you know, they kind of take some of that idea with predators, but um, I think contained within the prison would uh, also be kind of interesting. I want more contained predator thrillers. I, I like having the uh, expanse and like lots of space. I want to. I want a contained one now. So I think the the right answer would be a prison in the Antarctic that houses dinosaurs. That would be kind of the the ideal movie for all of us. <laughs> I think that uh, the, you know they say the perfect movie doesn't exist, but I think uh, we <laughs> not just yet, not yet. I think uh, I think we're on to something. I think we're on to it. Um, but uh, speaking of perfect movie, we're not talking about one today. Uh, we are talking about a uh, different type of movie. Let's get into uh, the Predator sequel. <gasps> Predator 2, released November 21st, 1990, directed by Stephen Hopkins, who directed A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, uh, The Dream Child, and Lost in Space, among other things. He has a very interesting filmography, and I also love that we've covered now uh, three or four different directors that would go on to do Elm Street movies, uh, but we haven't done the Elm Street series yet, so uh, mm. we will have a nice like uh, little... Uh, a little bloody blunts lore to get into once we uh, do cover the Elm Street movies. So that's exciting. Um, This was written by Jim and John Thomas. They came back. uh, They wrote the first one and then returned to write this one as well. Uh, Returning also was Alan Silvestri to do the score once again. Cinematography done by Peter Levy. Um, The box office did not make as much money, even though it did get a bigger budget for this one. Uh, It made about $57.1 million against a $20 million budget. This has a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes on 31 reviews and a letterbox average rating of 2.9 out of 5 compared to Predator last week, which was a 3.8 out of 5. Uh, so, Jay, um, uh, uh, what made you want to talk about Predator 2? Because you, you did have the, uh, the pick of the lot. I thought people were going to be fighting over Predator 1, and then I gave you first pick, and you chose Predator 2. So why? Yeah, so I picked Predator 2 for a couple of reasons, and we'll get into them, obviously. But the main thing was is that this was a movie that when I saw it for the first time, maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, or maybe even longer than that, I absolutely hated this movie. Um, I was like, there's 
no reason that this should have Predator attached to it. I don't understand why this is the direction they went in. This is nothing like the original, right? You can kind of get where I was at uh, mm-hmm. roughly a decade or so ago when I first saw it. It was very much regimented in the mindset of like, well, different is not good. And that's not what they should strive for with sequels. Mm-hmm. I have since, you know, changed my tone and my thoughts greatly on specifically sequels and, you know, in horror in general. And in revisiting it, it's still a film that, you know, I of course see problems with things that haven't aged well, things that simply don't always work, but it is resemblant of a sequel, specifically like a horror sequel that I think takes that big swing and isn't afraid to do something drastic that makes it stand out on its own. It doesn't kind of just feel like we're getting a lesser return to the jungle, right? Because that would be a fool's errand, right? You're not gonna be able to capture that lightning in a bottle a second time. So the fact that they don't even attempt to, you know, really dredge up the past all that much or try to replicate the magic of the original. They do something that's bold, that's loud, that's incredibly messy at times, but I find that to be pretty endearing. And the fact that, you know, again, it's not perfect. There's things that I think could be done far better, but at the same time, I think that it gives us a really great look at the predator in a new way, in a new setting. You've got this fantastic uh, eclectic mix of characters that come together to form you know, they're not military commandos, but they are a squad of essentially like urban commandos to a certain extent in this new setting. And uh, yeah, it combines a lot of different genres. There's lots of different uh, influences here that I think make for a film that, you know, even it's not going to grow on everybody, but it definitely grew on me in a way that uh, I wasn't expecting. And I think it's a, it's a standout amongst the entire series. All right. Well, I'm going to unpack a lot of some of what you just said there here in a bit, but uh, I want to hear what uh, Garrett, uh, how'd you feel about uh, this rewatch? Um, I think it's funny. Jay describes this as a, a movie that stands out amongst the pack where to me, like if these movies were like friends at a bar, you know, predator is the popular one. The one that's loud. He's got the best jokes. He's got the funniest stories. Uh, and then you've got predator too, which to me is the guy at the bar who like sits in the back, listens to everybody, Uh, but doesn't really chime in at all unless somebody talks to him specifically. Uh, I don't know. This movie is a little unassuming to me. Um, It's doesn't, it's not as flashy as the other ones, uh, I guess, in regards to like some of the uh, more memorable performances in the series or or like a, you know, yes, the setting is, is really unique, but I think the story of the film is maybe a little bit more, I guess, complex than some of the other ones are. Uh, I guess maybe that what makes it, we've talked about before like the predator the original predator film has such a simple concept it's got that great elevator pitch uh but with predator 2 the complex uh story and multiple characters multiple different parties being involved i guess is what makes this movie um it seems to take off more a lot and than it can actually chew um i don't really know if this movie works for me Uh, a lot of the ideas that the film tries to to kind of air about uh, some of the things that were happening in America in the 1980s. I think it just kind of brushes past it in a way that doesn't really uh, address it in a, a really satisfying way or have anything really super unique to say about it. I will say, I think that this movie does an interesting job of uh, evolving the predator and its tools. I think that that's really cool that we get a lot of new gadgets and weapons in this movie. And there's uh, some fun sequences in that. Um, I think kind of the concept of, this creature brought into the, you know, into the city is 
kind of interesting, I guess. I don't know. It's not super interesting and it's not done in like a terribly interesting way. There's a sequence on a subway car, which is like, okay, cool. But for the most part, he's kind of just doing the same thing to where he's like stalking up above, except now he's on a rooftop as opposed to trees. I don't know. I think this movie has the guise of being interesting, but I don't think it actually is that interesting. But uh yeah, it's it's to me it's the 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 most forgettable Predator two uh, Predator movie. It's not um, uh, overtly terrible, uh, but it's not great either. Okay, yeah, and you know it 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 was just like going into it. Um, I noticed a lot more people like it more um, than I thought disliked it, and especially um, you know to show my hand a little bit later for the franchise, people really seem to hate the Predator. And I don't get why. I think it's kind of harmless. But oh, we'll, you will, you but, will, just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I think I think that one is like harmless. But then, so it's like, and I see people like hate on that one. But then I don't see that kind of hate for this one. Um, and not to say that this one is bad. I'm just like, I don't think it's good. And I, but I do. But I, uh, it it has fun things in it, like it. Uh, it has all the ideas that you would uh, that would make sense for a Predator sequel. Um, I think just a lot of the execution of it uh, just doesn't work. It just doesn't have. I mean, of course, it it's you know it happens a lot with you know when you have come out the gate with something so you know iconic you know instantly and then you try to follow it up you know to recapture that magic again. Um, you know, the, the, just the, you know, whether it be, uh, the right, you know, uh, filmmaking elements coming together or, you know, what have you, um, you know, it just, uh, it didn't quite get there and, you know, and this movie wasn't like rushed, you know, it came a few years later, so it's not like it was like a rush job or anything like that. Um, but, um, you know, it's, I almost, uh, it's like I almost wish I, I feel like this movie would work better if it was a first movie in a series. Um, but or but then I guess it's like maybe when you look at this franchise, it's not a linear franchise per se. It is like kind of uh, a little sporadic. So, I mean, I guess if you look at them side by side, it's a different story. But it's like um, because like the whole idea of like, OK, well, there's this gang war going on who is uh, infiltrating it and causing a ruckus, you know, we already know it's the Predator. So it's like, you know, it kind of takes away some of the tension. If, but if this was the very first Predator movie, I feel like this might play a little bit differently for me. Um, but as, as far as it being a Predator sequel, uh, gives me more, more quabble, quabbles with it. Uh, but, I'm, uh, but I'm intrigued to uh, dive into it. So uh, I think we should obviously start off with like uh, the new setting and what that does uh, change for the film. Um, I, I love uh, one of the taglines for the film is he's in town with a few days to kill um, is on one of the, the posters. I thought that was pretty great. So, um, Jay, what do you think about um, moving it into the city? Yeah, so I think that the new setting works and I would say that also like in terms of capturing the original tension of that original film, I don't think that you can ever do that, right? You're never going to be able to capture that. So I think that moving it into the city, you of course more than likely already know like, oh yeah, it's going to be a predator. It's going to be using a similar set of tools that it used in the original one, you know, cloaking and whatnot and capitalizing on the fact that maybe it's a little more difficult to 
figure out what is doing specific killings because of you know the gang warfare that's going on that we've all mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that viewing it through the lens of just a new type of playground for the predator rather than something that is going to be able to capture the same level of you know tension or fear of the original, right? Because there was that unknowing factor. Um, in this, though, I think that it has a several sort of iconic shots in it or maybe tackling of certain environments within the city that I think are pretty cool. You know, like Garrett had mentioned the subway car. There's that shot of it climbing like that tower into the edge of the building and holding up one of those skulls. And there's a lightning storm that strikes it. Yeah. A few moments like that. <laughs> and I think overall, like it is just such a hodgepodge of genres and tropes and motifs that it just makes for a really entertaining film. Um, I don't necessarily know I would describe it as good. And if I <laughs> described it as good in my opening, uh, I probably wouldn't, uh, I would have that caveat where it's an entertaining film that I really enjoy. And I find that that playground is opening up to more of those sort of genre tropes and showing the audience that like, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I find that that's, again, like an endearing quality of it that uh, makes it a hell of a lot of fun, in my opinion, even if it doesn't end up being, you know, a great film. Yeah, I think I, on that level, I could find this movie much more enjoyable of kind of it's totally, I'm not saying that you're saying this, but from my perception is like, it's it's pretty surface level stuff. And if you try to scratch at the surface a little bit, it kind of crumbles because there's a lot of this movie that is, you know, portraying this character, Mike, who's, who's portrayed by Donald Glover, uh, or Danny Glover, excuse me. And he's kind of like the, your typical 1980s cop in a movie, you know, he's got the, the dickhead captain and he, you know, doesn't play by the rules and he's one more whatever away from getting kicked off the force. And, (laughs) oh, here comes the feds and he has to deal with them and go through all this red tape. I don't know if this is like a common criticism of this movie, but I, I hated Mike. Like I really did not enjoy spending time with this character. Um, I don't think that he is charming. Uh, I think he doesn't have an arc in the movie. Uh, he's just completely stagnant. He's also, it never shows him to be right as opposed to the feds. The beginning of the movie, he gets a lot of people killed, damages a lot of property, uh, but doesn't really get much out of it other than like, now the gang's dead. Also not because of him, because of the predator. So I understand that that's kind of like a trope in this series. I just think it really is just kind of a far cry from what we get in the original film mm-hmm. where the characters do feel really specific and enjoyable and charismatic and fun uh, with uh, with Danny Glover in this movie. Not only do I not find him super enjoyable, but I'm also kind of like this predator comes to Los Angeles and kind of the, the, the lore that has been and uh, since and before um, are kind of that's their mission is to hunt the best of the best and to test themselves as hunters. And I am just at no point in this movie convinced that this is a, a you know, a, a place to come to hunt, you know, mm-hmm. he's just killing a bunch of gang members and some LAPD cops and some CIA operatives with big freeze guns. You know, I don't think that there's ever that tension for me uh, in this film. And it just kind of keeps going until like the predator's dead. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I think well, that that was something for me that I, I'm totally able to enjoy the tongue in cheek sense of things. And we definitely get that with the first predator movie. So I think there is a, a sense that you can just watch this and shove some popcorn in your face and not think about it too hard. Uh, but I don't think that that is the precedent that was set with the first predator movie. So when this one comes along, I'm not maybe holding it to the same standards, but like a similar set of standards as far as like, no, I think, we, that was something specifically Devon and I talked about last week is 
Predator is not one of those movies that the less you think about it, the more enjoyable it is. In fact, I think it's the opposite, that the more you think about it, the more enjoyable this movie is. So they have that kind of mentality flipped with this movie. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get too deep into it yet because we still got to get our 60-second synopsis. But yeah. um, as far as I just wanted to hit the, the location uh, beat of that, uh, you know, I think it totally made sense. Like, you know, it, like, where are you going to go with this, you know, sequel? Like you said, like, you know, you can't just return to the jungle, um, you know, and it, it, it makes sense, especially like th- that late 80s, early 90s mentality was always like for a sequel to have like a very dramatic setting switch. Um, and so like, yeah, like it, it kind of makes sense. And like, but then it's, it, you know, even just with like that tagline that I like read, like, this might have made better if it was campy, like if it was like like a little bit leaning, maybe not campy, but a little bit more schlocky uh, and kind of lean into the Predator being in Los Angeles, you know, because it's like really this could have been any city, you know, I find it interesting that they uh, chose Los Angeles of all places uh, when it really could have been anywhere and like we're in like the dirtiest part and it's just like, yeah. You know, the climax is in a meat factory like this isn't, you know, so it's like they didn't really uh, exploit it as much, you know, except for uh, a, a, a particular s- sequence that I think would uh, display some of the schlockiness that they could have yeah. done I a want- little bit more. I, yeah, you're not wrong, Devon. I could have used a sequence when the Predator goes to Mel's diner and kills all the people inside, goes to Pink's Hot Dogs and gets a, you know, it gets a delicious hot dog. So maybe some calls, callbacks to, to the city of Los Angeles would be great. I would have I, I would have taken a little bit of that. But uh, so but before we hop in a little bit, we got to get uh, Jade to do our 60 second uh, synopsis challenge. Uh, are you ready, my friend? I am. Alrighty, I got you at 60 seconds on the clock in three, two, one. Hit it. Predator 2 leaves behind the sweaty Central American jungles for the equally sweaty and hostile concrete jungle of future Los Angeles. This new urban setting makes for a larger and louder hunting ground for the Predator, who capitalizes on the city's rampant gangland violence as a cover to do what his kind do best. That is until the Predator makes things personal by killing a member of our new protagonist, Lieutenant Harrigan Squad. While Schwarzenegger is notably out this time around, our lead, Danny Glover, steps in as disgruntled lieutenant who's never met a chain of command he saw eye to eye with. (laughs) What he lacks in muscles he makes up for in gumption and a general disdain for authority makes him a fitting leader of his special squad of misfits. Qualities that come in handy when the LAPD's investigation is challenged by a secret government agency who take a particular interest in their findings. Contending not only with government suits led by Gary Busey, Harrigan, his squad, and anyone deemed as a threat find themselves within the crosshairs of a new kind of predator. Two. There we go. Nice. We got it in there. You you had a nice, like, little uh, gear shift there that you, like, shifted (laughs) it up, and then you still, like, had time at the end, uh, a little extra headroom there. Uh, I was terrified all day that I was going to go over. Uh, it's funny because uh, I don't think about it until like the moment before the show, and then <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, what 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 strategy am I gonna take with this one? Uh, but uh, you definitely uh, nailed it because you know it's funny for this being a sequel. Uh, there is a surprising amount of just things going on in this movie, uh, plot wise. Like they, it, there's really just like a lot going on as far as um, you know. Uh, they, they, uh, some of the subgenre territory that they go into is, 
you know, uh, of all the things I thought they would add into the Predator franchise, I wouldn't expect again, like if you're going to go into the city uh, for the um, to add in to go into crime territory into gang wars. I'm like, wait, like, where does this all fit in? And then it's like, that's just kind of backdrop for then, like, also, you know, some government conspiracy stuff going on, um, you know. So it's like the the, the direction that they went in, uh, in in approaching, you know, these ideas is what I find fascinating because I, I don't think that, like, any of these ideas are bad. It's just like, but why did you do it that way is, uh, mm-hmm. is what I find interesting because, like, I don't know the the whole crime procedural aspect of it. Just I don't know. It just doesn't really work for me. Whether it be Mike himself, uh, whether he is funny, he's a very uh, he's very creative um, with his uh, use of motherfucker and pussy and uh, various uh, phrases throughout the movie. But um, but the crime stuff just doesn't work. Like why didn't they just have the predator just like terrorizing a high rise building or something? You know, like that would have been, you know, a, just, you know, a little bit more fun to me. I don't know. I feel like this one just went a little too serious until it does have its like moments of like goofy comedy here and there. Oh, see, I view it kind of the opposite almost. I view it as being goofy right from the beginning. And that's kind of how I view the entire thing, right? You're swapping out the protagonist from the previous film as being these, you know, commandos, ultra skilled apparently nothing can stop them until, you know, they meet the ultimate predator. And this time it's kind of just going up against these schlubby detectives, which as Garrett said, there's no indication that they are the best and the brightest and Mm -hmm. especially Mike himself. Like, (laughs) why is he so confident? Why does he hate authority so much when he doesn't, it doesn't seem as if he has the results to like back any of that up. Right. They say in his file, he's got like the top arrest rate. So I think, you know, before Danny Glover (laughs) breaks into this podcast, uh, but yes, I see your point that he seems like a terrible cop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like at what expense, right? As you said, all of these cops end up getting killed. I mean, when he comes crashing onto the scene of the shootout at the beginning of the movie, he not only almost runs down civilians and cops, but like is destroying other vehicles. He destroys his own vehicle to a certain extent. Yeah. And just like right out of the gate has, a presence that you know you're never going to be able to replicate the presence of arnold you know being all ripped up and you know the short sleeve shirts and everything or vests but here you have somebody that basically comes in and makes so much noise they're unavoidable but at the same time like are kind of like a clown to a certain extent in that they have been doing it for so long and yet they should probably be have a little more eloquent of a manner of getting things done but it kind of just informs his uh his not being by the book mentality. I mean, in, in, so in what I find interesting or like what, or what I'm wondering is because like you said, like, uh, you know, the, what we assume from the Yauchas, you know, that they seek out, you know, the best of the best or like, you know, these worthy adversaries. So it's like, who, uh, are his targets because it's i guess it's not the cops though like is its target literally that it wants to stop these these gangs because it doesn't like gang violence like so you know like i i because again like you said it's like yeah obviously these cops like just like you know aren't gonna be a match for it and the the gang really isn't either you know so it's like uh especially I mean, and we'll kind of get into it when we talk about uh, the actual predator himself, maybe, Um, you know, I guess. And maybe we can go in and transition. That is like this one. 
Um, you know, the, the city hunter for me compared to the jungle hunter is like, this guy seems like a seasoned veteran. Uh, he seems like he's been, uh, doing this quite, quite for a while. He's out for, he's out for numbers and trophies. Is that what, what it seems like he's, he's out here doing, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a little bit bigger and beefier, uh, than the previous one. He's got more armor. He's got more gear, uh, and technology with him too, because like he's, he's out here just for the, uh, he's not in it for the respect anymore. Maybe that's why, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter that he's going against these gangs or the cops because like, he's not really in it for the respect anymore. Like I, I see this guy as like, he's just numbers and trophies at this point now. Oh, I saw Garrett, were you shaking your head or nodding your head? Oh, that was a hard disagree for me. Uh, to me, he is like, I think this predator is a scumbag. Like the fact oh, that I he think goes, he's a scumbag too. Oh yeah. I think he's a, I think he's a lunatic. Like he goes to the city and just, just killing people just like not even for sport to me. He, he's like, he's like the Jake Paul of predators, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm such a skilled boxer. I'll beat anyone. It's like, okay, why don't you go up against a boxer? Like, yeah, you have an impressive record, but not, not against like professional boxers where at this guy, it's like, Oh, he's got such a high kill count. He kills so many people in this movie. And it's like, yeah, a couple of beat cops and some, some gang members. It's nothing really super impressive about this which makes me just think that he's just a complete lunatic like this guy's just a maniac i wonder if like other predators are like oh phil oh that guy's the worst like he's just killing everybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah we don't hunt with phil anymore yeah we don't fuck with phil (laughs) well i think that part of reason why he's targeting gang members right and it kind of is tied into the main idea behind the movie and you know we kind of mentioned it that it touches upon a lot of whether it be current events or just the views of America at the time that the movie was made. And it mm-hmm. touches upon just barely a lot of these subjects, but doesn't necessarily have anything to say or explore it with any depth. But I think that a big thing about this movie being, you know, released in the nineties, but being future LA in 97, is kind of capturing the hysteria behind like the portrayal of a crime in America. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that it's like the movie obviously quite literally begins with a massive turf war that blows out into the streets. But thinking about maybe L.A. in general as like a powder keg in that era, right? Again, the events that happen, you know, just a year and two years after the release Which is of this movie, wild. you know, it's not as if the movie has anything meaningful to say about those, but just in general, thinking about people's worst fears of L.A. in yeah. back in the day or just maybe American urban cities in general, um, I think that in portraying the gang members as being like the most terrifying foes you could face at that time period. I think, you know, within that context, it, it makes sense for me. Um, I do agree though, you know, when you're comparing it to the original film, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Because it's like, you go from the elite special forces that have had all these successful missions and kills. They're well-respected within the military community. And then you go to, you know, coked up, Scorpio, Mac 10 dual wielding guys and beat cops yeah. in comparison. Yeah. But I don't know. I I just find that I've removed the sequelness of it in terms of like trying to compare it to the original. Cause for me, that's obviously, and I'm sure for you guys, obviously it's never going to contend. And mm-hmm. it's easy for me to kind of like pick apart a lot of parts of this movie when I view it in that context. But sure. I just find a lot of entertainment out of some of the yeah. lunacy and the directions that this, this goes in, in a way that, you know, traditionally don't make a lot of sense, but it makes for this very rewarding spectacle from a just entertainment uh, value for me. 
Yeah, well, I will say, like, I'm not, and I don't know if, if you're insinuating, but, like, when, I, I, when I'm talking about this movie, I, I'm not as much saying, like, it's not as good as the first Predator movie, so this one sucks. It's just, it, it's more of, like, okay, uh, viewing this on its own kind of, of terms, but, like, using perhaps rules or even, I guess, if you want it, for lack of better words, like, lore of what the Predator is, kind of like, okay, well, keeping that same mentality, this is why the Predator is in Los Angeles is to hunt the best of the best. So I'm definitely uh, totally supportive of this movie kind of standing on its own, but even in a, like kind of an isolated subject to me, Predator two really feels like it just wants to be RoboCop. And I almost <laughs> yeah. want it to be RoboCop because like a lot of the issues <laughs> that I've, I've seen this movie talk about with crime, I'm just like, yeah, but if you took it from more of like a nuanced angle and were a little bit more cynical and had kind of like a tongue in cheek attitude, maybe even talked about like the police's role in a lot of this mm -hmm. gang violence and the government's role in a lot of this stuff. Because lest we mm -hmm. forget, Reagan era uh, <laughs> had something to do with with crime in America. Don't know if you guys mm -hmm. knew that. But then I'm also <laughs> just kind of like shit that's robocop like so i'm just yeah. kind of like wanting this movie so bad to be rogo robocop so you know meeting it on its own terms um again i don't think it's like an outwardly terrible movie it's just missing some key elements that i think make it as memorable not only as the first predator movie but also its peers in that similar kind of era of filmmaking because robocop was just a few more years before this yeah Ooh. i mean i and i only compare it as far as like uh, the second film, you know, is like, you know, this is where it is like kind of your establishing film as far as lore goes. And it just doesn't feel as consistent with, you know, like, okay, if like, you know, this is the second one we're establishing kind of what the Yausha kind of stand for uh, or like what they are, you know, what their purpose or what they're after. You know, it just feels slightly inconsistent with that um, because, it, you know, and the timing of this movie coming out just a couple of years before the L.A. riots is pretty fascinating. And I, I did forget about this note that I had about, uh, you know, there is the, the very first scene of the of the Predator is like, you know, when he, you know, just happens to land, I guess, you know, with all this going on. And it's just like it's them like kind of frantically looking around and like just seeing all this uh, pain and suffering and like, you know, and. Uh, if they are, you know, supposed to be, I don't know, like maybe a little bit more honorable than we think they are. But then at the same time, it's like all they're doing is go around and just like kind of massacring, you know, at will still. So it's like uh, it, uh, as far as that goes, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's interesting on like where they tried to uh, where they tried to like take it. Um, I don't know. I, I again, it just for I, I wish it didn't feel. It, it's like if you're gonna go serious, um, then I feel like they may maybe could have uh, made their intentions a little more clear. Uh, and then they kind because they kind of bring it in later when they you know want to study it, and of course like you know the the American thinking is well, of course we want to uh, not you know find it to study it because it's you know. Uh, alien life but because oh it has this technology that can upgrade our weaponry for war you know <laughs> right, totally. so um <laughs> yeah. and, and it but and they and they have a comment where gary Busey says something about um that predators are drawn towards areas of conflicts uh in their previous research um mm -hmm. and it and you know and they don't really go into it in the in the later films uh and so i wish they kind of would would have uh explored that idea a little bit more here uh, and maybe that would have uh given you know a little bit more um 
you know, motive behind, uh, you know, what the Yaucha is doing as far as like, you know, taking out these gangs. Like, what do they think they're doing taking out the gangs? Like, doing us a favor or is it for their satisfaction? Uh, you know, who knows? I wonder if it's kind of the thing where they go to those war zones and they're drawn to that and hoping to find someone along the lines of like an Arnold or somebody that is like the the central warrior, the strongest warrior in that zone. It just turns out that, you know, maybe this is one of those times when they didn't, uh, they didn't pick that well of a conflict. That's hilarious. No, he yeah, found I, a, I he found idea. a, he yeah. found a voodoo, uh, drug dealer in an alley is what he found <laughs> instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who was instantly yeah. decapitated. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love the idea that the Yacha travel the galaxy and then they come to LA and they're like, what a shithole. And then they leave with like a, I, you know, I traveled the galaxy, went to Los Angeles and all I got was this t shirt like that's their souvenir <laughs> so they're just right. like well when in rome and they just start killing everybody i'm totally down with that interpretation of this movie i mean i feel like at the end i feel like that is kind of their response like you know uh you know at the end after dan glover is you know defeated uh the city hunter uh the the other yaucha just like you know they arrive to pick up their dead homie and uh you know they give him his trophy and then you know they just they just leave you know, like they, they, I mean, there was like, what, seven of them in the room and they easily could have, you know, killed him. And with seven of them, you know, imagine what they could do against the city. But they're just like, eh, they're just like this. this yeah. You guys kind of know, like this, I is, will this say, isn't it. If, if I, per the predator, they seem to be into souvenirs. That seems to be kind of their thing. Oh, they totally. like their little trophies. I am a little disappointed that Danny Glover didn't get a better souvenir. Like they should have cut off that predator's fucking head and like you know done the little dissolving thing that we saw in prey given him the skull and we're like okay you know here you go this is kind of our thing and <laughs> like, ah, here's this old fucking gun and it's just like with some dude's name on it like what what a crap souvenir you know <laughs> well, well that's the thing and when i originally saw the film i was like this is so fucking random why would they do that why would they give that to him and i was like why don't they give him some kind of awesome piece of technology but that's also sort of the predator's thing, right? Is that they don't want to leave any trace of them, I believe. Like sure. that's part of, that's like yeah. the other side of why they nuke themselves when they're about to get killed, right? Is yeah. They want to kill their enemy, but also don't leave a trace. <clears throat> so even if it wasn't technology, like giving him one of their skulls, I think, you know, the, <laughs> the Gary Busey's of this world would probably have a field day with that. But yeah, that is one of those things where it's like, dude, you're giving me this old antique that looks like it's going to like shrivel up at any second. It's or like fall yeah. apart or whatever. It's like the equivalent of like where you like go to your uncle's house and you're like, ah, oh, you got a present <laughs> for me. And he like looks around the room and just like yeah. hands you something. Uh, that's yeah. what they did here. But like also, I mean, I kind of see what they were going for is like, oh, here's a piece of like history, you know, like, hey, mm -hmm. like we've been around for a while and we've been doing shit like here you go. Like, you know, so, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess that's I mean, I'm all i'm all for like the predators just you know blowing up themselves but the fact that they give him something from earth is even worse <laughs> just like oh i know what this is and they're like yeah we've got guns too isn't that hilarious like i think they probably view it as like a water squirter they've got like plasma cannons on their yeah. shoulder and they're like dude have you seen one of those things they take like 15 seconds to load it's ridiculous you know, I just, I love that they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, here you go. This is fine. Yeah, congrats on the kill. We're going to leave. So yeah, pretty lame on their half. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I would have been, a, I would have been a little disappointed as well. Um, So, so for me, you know, uh, the first half of this movie, 
again, since I wasn't, since the crime procedural wasn't doing it for me, the first half of this movie really doesn't do it for me. I'll say the second half is significantly better. Um, particularly whenever we get to, uh, that, uh, the scene on, uh, the Metro, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the apartment massacre was fun, uh, you know, I guess, but, but for me that, that Metro scene, uh, is what like really like kind of put the movie into gear. And I was like, all right, I, I can power through this now. Like, cause I, I thought that was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It kind of sent me down this rabbit hole as someone who has recently moved to Los Angeles, but doesn't take public transportation because I have a car. I legitimately paused this movie for like 15 minutes looking at the map of the metro in Los Angeles. I was like, huh. So it takes you from uh, from here to, oh, okay. That's pretty convenient. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I take the metro. I, I use it. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> it really only takes you through like Hollywood and downtown, and but it does take, like you can take one out to Santa Monica. Uh, yeah, you can take one to Long Beach. Uh, I mean, it 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 does things, but uh, uh, that that scene is really fun, and it also kind of shows off. One, it's like I feel like the one like true scene of horror in this movie. Um, yeah. this one it kind of scales back on some of the graphic violence and just like, but also the the atmosphere. It doesn't doesn't feel as horror esque, but this one definitely felt it because you know it just had the flashing lights and everything and but it shows that like you know the the genius behind uh the the design of the the predator and like how they have the camouflage because then that gives them freedom to like do scenes it but like do them very easily like this scene it's very much just like a lot of flashing lights shaking cameras and stuff and like and then all they have to do is just like flash an image of the predator and then like it's claw and then like, Oh, it killed somebody. And it's like, really, they're not doing anything when you think mm-hmm. about it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's very easily presentable and it's like presentable in a way that like comes out that it's just like this, like very like high paced, uh, uh, scene, uh, preceded by the, the funniest joke in the whole film, um, you know, is when the, gang members are, are jabbing and then like everybody on the metro like whips out a gun at each other was fucking <laughs> yeah. hilarious yeah well i love the build-up to that scene right because that's probably the most interestingly shot scene in the entire movie for reasons that you mentioned and to have a like a gag scene or moment come before that i really like because it does kind of that moment catches you off guard you're like oh wow oh, this totally is actually <laughs> genuinely terrifying or genuinely like an actually well lit and composed scene and then you go back to the rest of the movie and it's just very loud and in your face and yeah. trying to make as much noise as possible. And, you know, of course, the way that that scene culminates like is quite loud, but it's just more so that it's one of the quieter moments in the movie, which is why I think the horror works so well. And yeah, I of course wish we had a few more scenes like that, um, that kind of would balance out that, you know, the, uh, the bombasticness of a lot of the more action focused scenes and kind of just genuine uh, shootouts and whatnot and yeah it's definitely missing a few more scenes like that which is kind of curious considering you know like you had said at the beginning that the director's previous film was Nightmare on Elm Street part five which you know I'm not going to go to bat for that movie but having your foot in the realm of horror beforehand and then going into again you know obviously the sequel to one of the best sci-fi horror movies of all time and not pushing for more horror in your movie uh, seems like a bit of a misstep yeah, this is definitely an action movie more kind of yeah. through and through, which um, I'm not, uh, obviously there has been great history with that. You look at Alien to Aliens. I'm not like inherently opposed to that. I think that that's yeah. definitely a choice. So that's not something that um, 
is a, a prerequisite for me. I'm fine if this isn't, you know, a, more of a horror movie. Because, uh, again, there's precedent for that. And I think if it's done well, I'm not really going to care. If this is a great action movie, I'm not going to miss the horror. It's just like an average version of the both of those. Uh, but I did want to talk about, Devon, you had mentioned uh, like uh, the way that the Predator's design allows you to do some different things like creatively uh, as far as the filmmaking is concerned. Mm-hmm. There is a shot in this movie that legitimately I was like, ooh, how did they do that? And it's in the alleyway yeah, where the yeah, Predator yeah. is walking and mm. there's the steps and it kind of like – You know, I imagine there's like little charges or something in the water that make it splash up. Uh, I just thought that that was like super, super clever and really creative. And it's a great way to blend like practical effects. And then I'm sure it's not CG, but more of like, you know, kind of optical effects at the same time to make that scene like feel super lived in. It's great. It's only soiled a little bit, a little bit by a moment where it pans down and you see the puddle and then you see the reflection of the predator and then it pans back up and he's not there. And I I was like, was he a fucking vampire? Like that's not how that works. I thought that was, I thought that was cool. I thought the I thought the reflection. I thought I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, like a little reflection. Like it, like he's a reverse vampire. Has a reflection, but is is not there. Uh, yeah, that scene go. is that scene is super cool. And uh, uh, to kind of you know, it, it, no, it's not a spoiler, but there's a scene in Prey when we were you know coming back. And there's a scene in Prey where they're walking in the water. And I remember you go, oh, man, I feel bad for the, you know, uh, animator of that scene, you know, like, you know, the trickle. And it didn't look all that great. But in this one, it like, yeah, it looked fantastic. That that shot in the alley was phenomenal. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Yvonne, because you and I saw this together. And I mentioned afterwards, there's a shot in Prey where they're like walking across the water. It's very clearly CG, doesn't look as good. And this is just one of those instances where if you do something practically, I, not all of this is obviously obviously practical, the way that the Predator is filmed. I've, I've uh, read about how they're able to achieve that kind of uh, translucent effect. And it is a camera trick. It's not like it's not a CG shot. Uh, but still, it's, it goes to prove that CG sometimes isn't always best and maybe a marrying of the two uh is even better and i think the shot is a clear example of that i like too that it foreshadows the predator's cloaking downfall later in the uh slaughterhouse section right when his cloaking fails and Mm -hmm. you realize oh it's because of of course the overhead uh sprinkler system and whatnot so just yeah pairing like that's a again a a moment in this movie that when you look at the rest of the movie it almost seems too smart for the movie because it gives the audience that early inkling of like okay so the one thing that they have to avoid is getting wet during that entire scenario, which, you know, I'm of course, sure you learn that in the original film, but just in terms of this movie kind of catching people up and not doing it in a way that immediately references the previous film. Uh, I thought that that was, again, like, as you've said, it looks great, but also just giving the viewer like a little bit more information into that lore without having to have, you know, totally. keys do this exposition dump. This is their strengths. This is their weaknesses, which, yeah. could have very easily uh, been a section of this movie. And it's funny because I have like an example, I guess, of this movie to me, I think does some things right, but then it does like two things wrong. Mm-hmm. An example of that is I totally That's agree with what you're saying, <laughs> but then also there's a, se- a sequence when Danny Glover's talking with like the CIA and Gary Busey and he's like, we figured out that it looks, you know, through uh, ultraviolet light. And it's like, how the <laughs> fuck did you figure that out? Like they just don't mention it at all. They're just assume that we'll just be like, yeah, it's fine. Which you know, it doesn't matter, but that's, you're kind of talking about like, it's able to show something without diving into lore or kind of doing an exposition dump. But that's just an example of just like, 
I don't know. Literally figure it out. <laughs> like, yeah, like literally, like I don't mind exposition if you do it creatively, but like there's so many better things they could have done besides sweaty Gary Busey in a van uh, dumping <laughs> exposition about, you know, the predator lore and stuff like it. Cause I mean, and, and we get, and it's a lot of information too. You know, I will so. say, uh, as far as uh, people delivering the exposition, uh, Gary Busey would be somebody that I would choose to. I really do like the cast of this movie. They really, really try their best at delivering this dialogue that they have with as much gumption and energy as they can. Danny Glover, as we mentioned, uh, is great. Gary Busey. What an unhinged maniac. I absolutely adore him. Uh, Bill Paxton is given like truly uh, inactable lines in this movie, <laughs> yeah. but he really tries his best. Super, super funny. Uh, and then you have like Adam Baldwin, who is this like CIA operative guy uh, with Morton Downey Jr., who plays like this scuzzy kind of TMZ reporter guy. So there's a lot of fun people in this in this film that seem to be aware of the movie that they're in and they truly are hamming it up which is uh definitely appreciated and kind of leads me to believe that it's like oh maybe they're a little bit more aware of the type of movie that they're making i don't know i mean yeah i, I definitely would not it's definitely not the cast like yeah like you said like the cast really is giving it it's all like everybody is like you know doing do, doing their best uh so it's like i i can't tell if it's like if it's a writing issue or if it's a directing issue uh, you know, because they'll, I see certain sequences, you know, like, you know, that, that Metro sequence or like that alley sequence or, uh, you know, some, you know, uh, or the, the slaughterhouse sequence. It's like, you know, he, he can, he can direct a little, you know? So it's like, I, I wonder if, you know, I don't know the, the Thomas bros, uh, just like had too many ideas and like, um, you know, and like, uh, Hopkins, you know, translated it the best he could to the screen and the and the cast you know gave it their best uh to cover up for it um it's 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 hard to tell um a, a funny way of uh doing the exposition would have been because they said uh they had been surveilling the predator for two weeks as if mm -hmm. they had like a uh a like highlight tape uh of the of the predator <laughs> like uh doing it's, it's like real. hunting and stuff yeah like it's kill real like that would have been hilarious <laughs> Or him just doing like super mundane activities, you know, he's doing the laundry, you know, I'm sure he, I mean, how many fishnets does he have, you know, are there multiples, is he, is he changing out of them, you know, do we get like a sexy predator strip tease? I don't know. Him just chowing down on cow carcasses at the slaughterhouse. Ugh, yuck. No, I think part of it could be that, you know, the Thomas bros were adapting this partially from the Dark Horse comic series uh, that was, I believe it was originally called Concrete Jungle. That was literally yes. what it was called. And it's the type of thing where it's like that they could be great film writers and write for TV successfully, but adapting from something and, you know, they have their own ideas. They're of course adapting directly from the source material. And it could be a type of thing where there is a great deal of conflict between how much of this are we going to adapt? How much of this is going to be our own? And then, you know, of course the director is going to have input. So, you know, as this film is best described, it's definitely messy from a storytelling perspective. And it's probably why, so many of the ideas that they touch upon it feels as if like oh well we're going to reference this we're going to introduce that but then there's not a lot of follow through with anything um, mm -hmm. which ends up making it feel almost barely a surface level examination of you know so many of the things that we've mentioned uh, especially you know choosing that setting choosing to try to you know allude to 
the events that were occurring in the 90s and whatnot, and the, you know, the fear mongering essentially of what people thought that that would grow into over the course of, you know, the next decade or so. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a type of thing. It's hard to point fingers at exactly <laughs> who kind I mean, of made this film that feels like it's a hodgepodge of ideas that don't gel that well together. But I think that uh, it makes for some some entertaining hilarity for most of the time for me. I mean, I don't fault them because, I mean, you know, you have a hit like Predator. I mean, it's hard not to just get excited, you know, and just yeah. like have all these ideas and like want to do all these different things with it, you know. So it's like I, I, I don't fault them at all. You know, it just it I think it was just, you know, so many ideas were, you know, hard to translate. Some of them they could. Some of them they didn't. Um, so I want to kind of, so it's like, uh, when you kind of go through the checklist of, uh, predator movie motifs, uh, do you got sweat in this movie? You bet your sweet ass you do. They talk <laughs> about that LA heat, uh, the entire movie, uh, Bill Paxson sweating through his blazer. Hell uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> like, I mean, so, so we got our, we got our sweat. Um, do, do we have any traps? Do we, do we consider that, that middle scene in the slaughterhouse? Do we consider that a trap? Cause they're trying to catch the predator, yeah, but do we, you know, it we is don't that have a, uh, in his, like they're in his realm, right? They know that he's been hanging out there. That's his essentially his, uh, retreat from the hunt and they describe it as a trap, but really, you know, are they ever in control of that situation? Not particularly yeah. because of course, all that planning, all that extra military equipment that uh, I think Bill Paxton laments not being able to get his hands on. Like it's the idea that they're so overprepared for anything. And then of course their plan falls apart yeah. in, you know, 10 seconds of them being there, which again, I think is kind of a motif on the fact of, you know, viewing maybe the government, you know, in these types of movies, they're supposed to be there to research and capture but then they, of course, as they always do, you know, they're up their own ass about, oh, well, it's just another thing that we can control or just outright defeat. And we're choosing not to because they kind of convince themselves of that. And of mm -hmm. course, it's proven within, like I said, the first 20 seconds of their plan, it falls apart. So really, they're the ones being trapped. It's not the other way around. Yeah, I, I like the I like the more like on the fly, like put together traps too. like, yeah, like you said, like they over prepared and like, you know, that end up uh, being their demise. And then do we have our, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one showdown? Uh, yeah, basically everybody else besides Danny Glover does die for the most part. <laughs> uh, uh, I love uh, uh, Gary Busey's death was pretty great when he's like, get out of here. I'm saving your ass. This is between me and him. And then just gets sliced in half. Uh, fantastic. Great. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we, we have our one-on-one -on -one final showdown. And I don't, I don't find the fight between Danny Glover and the City Hunter particularly interesting itself. Um, it's a lot of just gunfire, and then like, um, you know. Uh, but I do appreciate the length of it. Uh, I like that there's kind of a fake out. Like I, I truly thought it was like over at the rooftop, and then yeah. there's literally a whole second level uh to uh this uh solo battle as they like keep kind of keep going and then they end up in the uh you know predator like underground uh ship thing and uh so so the the showdown itself uh definitely does not have the same uh you know um you know primalness uh, and scrappiness uh that the um uh, first one has this one is just like uh, i mean is it, I, I give danny glover's uh character 
credit for his stamina. Uh, but it's a uh, you know not not as interesting, but the the length of it though is funny to me. Yeah, the last like forty five minutes is basically a big chase sequence, which I can appreciate, and I think that it's not necessarily like the blows that are being dealt, but it's more about just getting to explore the predator, obviously, and getting to see the way that they evolve on the arsenal, the way in which they make you know some design differences between the original and this predator to show that. There are more variations. It's not this thing. They're not like xenomorphs, right? It's not with the, speaking about like the drones, the drones all look basically exactly the same, but that's not the case with the predator. All of them look different. They have their own, you know, hierarchy, which we see when you get to see the full hunting party at the end. Um, And definitely those scenes where the predator is hunting very beginning, but especially in like that penthouse shootout, you get to see more of a display of the types of equipment that they use. So it kind of just shows they're ever evolving. And, you know, of course, when Stan Winston's studio is behind it all, it's going to all look fantastic. And to Garrett's point, like the practical work for the costumes themselves, I think is fantastic. And it's just nice to not see an over-reliance on techniques that resemble CGI or something along the lines of kind of early CG and just going more for, you know, displaying the predator as it is, but taking variations that, you know, push that design in a direction that's different than just like we're going to, you know, change the hue of the predator skin color or something Mm -hmm. like that. It feels like, and they did, I mean, they built a new one from the ground up. They built several models for that end sequence in the UFO or the, you know, the predator ship at the very end, which I'm appreciative of, even though it is short lived. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's definitely something that I enjoyed getting to see them expand more on the predator mythos and what they're capable of. And then that would extend to, of course, other films, uh, down the line. Yeah, I think the Predator in this movie, I uh, really like how it looks when the mask is off. I don't know if there's any kind of new, I'm sure they learned some things from the original film in, in regards to the prosthetics of everything, but I think it looks really terrific. Um, I also wanted to mention, I don't think we've talked about this on the show before, but I was uh, I was looking at this and I don't know if this is common knowledge. Uh, Kevin Peter Hall, who portrays the Predator in both of these movies, also portrayed uh, uh, Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. So mm. Harry the Henderson, uh, Harry uh, from Harry and the Hendersons, and the Predator have the same eyes. So <laughs> didn't know if anybody knew that. Uh, I don't know if that comes through in his performance at all. Uh, but I really do like the way that this Predator looks without the mask. The mask itself, not my favorite. Um, it looks kind mm-hmm. of like the same as the original, but it's a little whiter. Um, I would have preferred uh, like a very drastically different helmet in this movie. I think that that could have differentiated itself a little bit more from the first one. That's a bit of a nitpick. Um, I will say I really like, you had mentioned the Dark Horse comic, uh, the Concrete Jungle. I really like the way the Predator looks in that with like the teal and the the yellow and everything. That looks that looks really wonderful. Uh, but yeah, for me, I love how this, uh, this movie evolves the traps and the tools that this Predator has in its arsenal. Uh, the spear is something that is very iconic from this movie and has you know continued into other other predator movies the little disc that he has is things you can use in like mortal Kombat and everything so i love and i definitely want to acknowledge that this is the movie that a lot of those you know weapons that we associate with the predator mm-hmm. are uh, either addressed or more prominent in this movie for sure yeah was, he, the, uh, was the net in the original one I can't remember now. I've watched so many of these movies over the week. I don't, <laughs> no, the, no. And the the net is in this movie, and then it is even further evolved uh, in other films. He made like a how much? Yeah, he made like a pit in the first one, but there was no net. Yeah. Uh, this guy, yeah, definitely has more gear. 
um, for sure. Um, I really like the look of him as well. It kind of has um, this like kind of warrior-esque look with, uh, like I said, he's a little bit more heavily armored. He's a little beefier. Um, and, and he also has a, you know, very different, um, fighting style and hunting style than, uh, the jungle hunter, the jungle hunter, he was a little bit more nimble. He was hopping in the trees and he was, you know, making crafty traps and stuff like that versus this guy is, you know, he's power. Like, you know, he comes in, he's got the gear, he's, you know, just powerhousing people, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, and I like the, the kind of juxtaposition and, um, you know the the way that he uses the uh the voice mimicking uh, a little more uh cleverly kind of has a little cheeky sense of humor to him mm-hmm. um yeah so i i i i appreciate uh the city hunter for sure so uh, i have two two quick things about before we move on from like their gear and sort of their methodology with fighting so mm-hmm. do we think that because not unlike somebody like Taskmaster, right, from Marvel Comics, the Predators are always learning and they're always evolving, right, because they're recording everything, which we assume is getting sent back to the other Predators. Do we think that the Predators, because correct me if I'm wrong, they're getting considerably, you know, bigger and beefier throughout the films for the most part to the point where, you know, in AVP, they look like running backs. And then mm-hmm. essentially in um, the Predator, right, it's massive, right? It towers over everybody. Do we think that, that was a reaction to facing the commandos in the original film in that they're like, Oh, we're finding these guys that are, you know, bigger than life itself. Like the idea that they're Mm. reacting to that, that they're not as nimble, that being nimble was like the downfall essentially of that original one. Do you think that that's something that could be potential? I like that theory. I like that theory a lot. Actually, that, that makes a lot of sense uh, because if you think about it, this one is kind of built like Dutch. Uh, in a way like you know he is like really big and like you know the you know like very muscular that's uh that's interesting I like that theory quite a bit actually yeah I think there is definitely some uh some water to be uh held in there um I don't know I I don't know if it if it would have helped the first predator to be a little more beefy he would have been slower getting out from the under that big ass rock but that's what that's what they think though because dutch was the winner so they they go oh well that's the that's the winning form right now i guess but yeah as as far as like if you are a predator coach you know (laughs) these guys are on like a squad uh and if they're like oh man if you would if 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 Doug would have been a lot bigger, he maybe could have bench pressed that rock. I don't know if it would have been super helpful. So oh yeah, I don't God. know if that's the main note that I would have had. Uh, and it's funny because Prey, if you want to talk about learning things, uh, Prey has the inclusion of something that is is the downfall uh, in regards to, uh, to mud. I'll just say that I won't go into mm-hmm. it anymore. So I like the idea that instead of getting more and more beefy, they're maybe just like, okay, you're going to the city, okay? Last time there was just way too much mud. It was really difficult to see. In the city in Los Angeles, there's no mud. It's all dirt. So that'll be perfect. Let's go there. We'll be safe, right? He needs to pick an environment next time that isn't prone to uh, rainstorms and whatnot. But Exactly. I guess the other thing that I was wondering when Garrett mentioned he likes the look of the predator's face, it reminds me of the slaughterhouse scene when, you know, of course, they become they come face to face. And, you know, Harrigan is about to finish that iconic line, right? You're one ugly motherfucker. But before he can finish the line, the predator grabs him by the throat, which stops him from finishing the line. And then the predator finishes the line himself. Do we think that the predators had like 
heard that line from Dutch in the original one, and he kind of like anticipated that coming up. That was just like, "Shut the fuck up! I'm about to kill oh. you. You're not gonna, not, you're not gonna insult my people." Oh, they've time. they've talked about it for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, they're like, they're like, man, yeah. You hear what that motherfucker said to Mikey before he blew him up? Like that's fucking bullshit. Like you they know, like, get they, they, the they, they like talked that. about it for sure. <laughs> I, I love that. There's predator gossip happening. Yeah. You know, I want, um, I want, yeah. yeah, these, these are all. I want the, I want the predator bar, uh, side spinoff <laughs> show. I want the comic of uh, the, the, the Yaucha Training Academy. I want that show as well. Like I, I, I love, yeah, like all this implied uh, things that are going on with uh, the, these well, huntsmen. It, if you watch like Alien versus Predator, they you can like see the Yauches like home world and they have like skyscrapers and buildings and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which me- leads me to believe there are like either they took over this planet and they have their own society or they built that meaning there are predators who are like construction workers and architects <laughs> you know maybe this yeah. is just a side hobby for a lot of them it's like a weekend trip like when like we go fishing mm-hmm. you know maybe i want to see a predator who's got like a you know a shirt and tie on and there's a bartender like cleaning a glass you know there's uh, there's got to be this other world out here of the predators like mundane you know daily activities i love i love the idea of an architect yaucha <laughs> that goes hunting on the weekends. <laughs> there needs to be a sequel where like one of them is on that weekend retreat or fishing or something and then he gets a call like his brother got lit up by an earthling and he has to run and then learn how to fight and exactly. go defend his family's honor. I love it. I love it. I would I I very much uh we, we don't really get a uh a a movie from a yaucha's point of view and I don't know. Mm. I feel like that might act, I feel like that would be kind of interesting. So um, let's go ahead and uh, get our final thoughts on uh, Predator 2. Uh, Jay, uh, what are your final thoughts and what are you going to give this out of uh, five five handguns? Uh, Mike is a big handgun fan. You see uh, that collection he had in his trunk? Yeah. <laughs> Furthermore, off that point, like the idea that they're giving that he's allowed to just like run around with the Desert Eagle, which is with a scope, like, with, with a, a scope, scope. <laughs> and everybody's got laser sights on their guns. And just, uh, yes. A scope on his uh, pistol grip shotgun. It's just yes. it's all and ridiculous. But they all the look like G.I. Joe's. I, I love yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to view them. They're just G.I. Joe characters. But, you know, Predator 2, uh, arguably a very messy movie, does not carry itself like a proper sequel should. Um, I definitely get more entertainment value out of that, I think, than most do. Um, I think that it could, there's so many things that could be improved upon it, but I just find that it tackles those subgenres and makes them into something that I end up watching and having a lot of fun with. It feels a little more accessible for, you know, my buddies that are less horror inclined. They're definitely more like action movie people from that era or, you know, 80s, 90s. Uh, that definitely click with that in a way and as sidetracked as it gets you know from doing things that resemble in the original or being consistent with some of the lore or the you know mythology that's tied there we still get to see an expanded you know arsenal we get to see an expanded view at them themselves that I appreciate and I think that again for as messy as it is that really is the building point for several sequels if not all the sequels that came after it um, even if, you know, you go back and it's not a film that a great deal of people view as being higher up on the Predator list, it's one that I still come back to and have a great deal of fun with. Okay. And how many out of five did you oh, say? Yeah. Uh, I give it three out of five handguns. 
Three out with of the five? scope. With, with the scope. With the scope. With, with the, the scope. scope. Yeah. With the maybe, scope. Maybe two, maybe two and a half and the scope. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. For me, uh, being a, such a big fan of the original Predator film, um, it's difficult not to hold this movie up to really high standards. But I think mm. even stripped uh, of that kind of expectation of what a sequel should be, I don't think that this movie really does stand on its own. I do admire a lot of what this movie goes for. It really swings and it swings hard. Uh, it is in not only like a really unique and different setting, but it also the story and some of the other genres that it plays with, uh, I think are unique. Uh, there's definitely an attempt to be made to say something, uh, even though it's quite opaque uh, and mostly like a glancing blow, if anything. Uh, it's not super uh, resonant or doesn't have a lot of staying power for myself. Um, I do like that this is more of an action film. Um, I think that that's totally fine, totally fair game uh, in regards to, to doing that, exploring different genres and other sequels. I don't think that this has to be married to being this perfect blend of horror and comedy or horror and action. If this wants to go more towards uh, to being an action film, totally fair game. Uh, just for me, I don't find the action in the movie uh, that spectacular. Um, there are a couple of sequences that I, I think are memorable. Uh, this this subway sequence is great. Um, I also love the, that's kind of the shot of this movie and even on like the Sega video game cover and a bunch of stuff with the predator with the spear and the skull in the sky mm. getting struck by lightning like Highlander style. I think it's yeah. completely ludicrous, but I love it. Um, I really like that this does introduce new things, introduces new gadgets, uh, new ways that predators can hunt also expands upon the lore in regards to the predators and their involvement with xenomorphs uh, and introducing other predators and like kind of, you know, when, when Danny Glover kills it, the, the guys just show up and they're like, all right, fair game. And then, you know, it kind of, uh, I like the way that it expands things. Um, I just don't think it's a great movie, unfortunately. Um, I think it is entertaining, um, but it's not nearly as memorable uh, or it doesn't engage me even emotionally like the first Predator film does. Uh, so for me, I think this film does uh, some good things uh, right, but it, or it does some things well, but it does a lot more wrong, unfortunately, for myself. But I'm still able to enjoy this movie. I still enjoy the character of the Predator and seeing him in this unique environment. Uh, so for me, I'm at two and a half out of five uh, Desert Eagles with a scope. Because <laughs> uh, I'm also going to go two and a half. So I think this would be like one gun has a scope, one doesn't. Because uh, I'm also going because I'm also going two and a half um, for yeah the the movie. I like what it does to, uh, you know, progress uh the yaucha lore and you know its weaponry its design and uh, we definitely get to see a lot more of it in the film like as far as like actual screen time of the actual uh predator uh definitely get a lot of them uh getting more creative uh with the way that he kills and the way he uses his technology uh so those things definitely did work for me uh and you know and putting it in a city setting you know can totally work uh, I just I'm not here for the the crime cop procedural and gang war stuff uh, just didn't uh, exactly work. But, you know, and um, as much as, you know, some of the movie uh, uh, special in the first half did drag a little bit for me uh, flashes of, you know, style uh, from some of these action set pieces did work for me. Uh, and but the ones that did kind of lean a little bit more horror of course, are the ones that I like a little bit more, but that is okay. Um, you know, we still get enough of it uh, here. 
um, you know, so, um, but yeah, I, not my, and definitely not my favorite, uh, protagonist, uh, either. Definitely not my favorite, uh, showdown as we're going to kind of discuss some more of these going forward. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting at two and a half out of five, two. Oh, and, uh, the big, my biggest disappointment was, um, uh, after all the praise we gave him last, uh, episode, our boy, Alan Silvestri, uh, still to goat, but, um, just, uh, came very uninspired in uh, this film. Uh, the score, you know, the score did so much work in the last film of like, you know, contributing to the atmosphere and changing the subgenre of the film as we're watching it. Uh, this one just felt like very generic, felt phoned in. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe Alan Silvestri didn't actually do this one. Maybe this was like one of his interns uh, did the <laughs> did the one for ghost, this a ghost score? Yeah, he no. said he goes, yeah, here, do this one, kid. Yeah, this is good <laughs> practice for you. And then he like kind of revised it or something. I don't know. So that was that was a, a big uh, disappointment for me. There was uh, Alan Silvestri, um, but you know, still still the goat. Um, but uh, let's uh, talk about some of these other movies that um, you know we think of when we think about Predator Two. All right, here at the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, we like to end our show playing a little fun game called Movie Math. Uh, all you got to do is think of a couple of movies that you can add, multiply, divide, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's just got to equal the movie that we talked about today, which is Predator 2. So, Jay, what are some movies that you're adding together in your equation, uh, all of which just equaling the film we discussed today? Yeah, so I have to start by saying this is the most fun I've ever had with math in 30 years of life. Um, <laughs> and the movies I'm going to pick, uh, of course, are leaps and bounds better than uh, the movie we talked about today. But I'm starting my equation with take the hunting party and taking the fight to the creature mentality of James Cameron's aliens, adding John McClane's anti-authority and fuck the feds mentality of John McTiernan's Die Hard. And then multiplying it by the misfit buddy cop shenanigans and action of Tony Scott's The Last Boy Scout. And you get Predator okay. 2. I actually, I, I totally track with a lot of what you're saying. I think uh, some lesser action heads would be like, what do you mean? They're all kind of the same thing. But I think that they definitely have these distinct kind of flavors, which do make up this movie for sure. Yeah, that that one's definitely like, uh, you know, a, a great like if you were elevator pitching this to somebody, you're like, hey, like this is what you're going for. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and then uh, this is uh, what we get instead. Um, for me, mine is pretty simple uh, this week. Um, I got uh, Jurassic Park, uh, The Lost World. Uh, you know, the, you know, the, the creature in the, in the city, uh, running wild kind of, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, it gives me similar vibes. Uh, this, the second half of this film, uh, you know, you got this, uh, you know, team and their outfits chasing after it and like, you know, and, uh, uh, this, uh, whole final sequence kind of spans, you know, kind of, they go from the slaughterhouse and like, uh, make their way, you know, underground and, you know, through, you know, various places and stuff. And like, kind of, uh, the way that the action kind of sprawls about, like how kind of feels like that, but like also just, uh, he does feel like a dinosaur running around LA a little bit and, um, uh, multiply that by lethal weapon. I mean, also because Danny Glover, um, but you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, them taking on a drug cartel and drug, drug trafficking and, 
and and sweating a lot and and cussing a lot and <laughs> and lots of gunfights. Uh, except these ones are louder. Uh, I remember Jay did uh, mention that, like, geez, Louise, like some of these action scenes are just so loud in this movie. Um, Obnoxiously so, <laughs> like, just like so loud. Um, but yeah, so, so that's what I got for mine. Uh, Garrett, what, uh, I like what you got going on here. Uh, take me through it. Thank you. So in the parentheses tracking with me, we've got Jason takes Manhattan for pretty obvious reasons. You've got this kind of fish out of water, fish out of water story of you've known this person in this particular environment, being a threat, remove them from that, put them in the city, despite the fact that no, this movie does not take place mostly on a boat. Uh, this is in fact in Los Angeles. Okay. But Jason takes Manhattan also has a pretty memorable subway sequence. So uh, that definitely helps out here. Um, I'm adding that with to live and die in LA uh, because I think that that also is a film that, you know, the title probably should have cued you in really captures the spirit of Los Angeles in this particular kind of era. uh, From more of like a crime perspective, definitely a lot of sweaty investigative kind of cop stuff going on in that. However, to live and die in LA is like a bit more highbrow for for what we see in Predator 2 <laughs> yes. here. So to add a little bit more kind of schlockiness to this, I am dividing it by RoboCop. And I'm the reason I'm dividing it is I'm only taking like pieces of RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Not the good stuff. <laughs> not the bad stuff either, but not the great stuff. Right. Uh, it's not like you add it to this and it's like a winning recipe here. Uh, like I said earlier on, this does have a lot of similarities with RoboCop, but more in like, a, you know, this is this is like the Kmart brand of, of, of RoboCop because that's a, that's a pretty high bar. Uh, so, you know, it's a difficult bar to achieve for sure. This movie does come up pretty short, uh, but I definitely think that there are a lot of similarities there. Uh, so yeah, you got some action, you got some horror, got some new environments and some commentary, I guess <laughs> on, <laughs> on crime and, and the police's uh, police involvement in that, all of which equal, uh, equal predator Two. Yeah, I, I I definitely can see that you you know teased us with the RoboCop uh, a little bit early on, and uh, I definitely thought Jason Takes Manhattan, um, and which I love that you described uh, Jason Takes Manhattan now as a fish out of water. Uh, <laughs> was, was that was quite, a great shout. Was quite hilarious to me. <laughs> um, I, I, I know a few people uh, on on uh, the horror twitters. There's a select few people that uh, would argue that Jason Takes Manhattan more of an aquatic horror. Than a uh, New York horror. Yeah, there's definitely uh, as a as a fellow big Jason fan, definitely some qualms that I have with that in regards to a lot of the Friday Thirteenth movies have very misleading titles, uh, so this <laughs> one is is no exception. But there are some pretty cool uh, some pretty cool and memorable sequences too. You got the train, you got Times Square, you got the boxing scene. I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> oh, definitely not denying that uh, there's a uh, that. Jason Takes Manhattan is not one of the more inspired of uh, the Friday the 13th films, but uh, we'll chat that one another day. Uh, we got more Predator films to talk about uh, for the rest of the month. Excited for that. But uh, uh, Jay, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing on your podcast and where the people can find you. Well, first and foremost, as always, I appreciate you having me on and uh, yeah. I always enjoy chatting horror with you, Devon and Garrett. This was a great time uh, getting to, you know, pick your brain about a movie that even if we don't necessarily see eye to eye on, I still appreciate uh, your insight into the movie, which was a lot of fun. You're welcome Uh, anytime. Thank you. So for my stuff for social, you guys can find me at not funny J on Twitter. 
I do two podcasts. I do Safe Room with my uh, transatlantic brother, Neil Bolt, for Bloody Disgusting, where every Monday we release an episode about a horror video game, whether it be you know classic or contemporary, we tackle that. And then on my lonesome, I would do a horror movie podcast called Daily Horror Habit. And you can follow that at Daily Horror Pod. And there's a new episode of that every Friday. Thanks again, guys. This was a blast. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, man. Uh, now, yeah, we are we are three for three on each other's. Uh, Garrett, you got to uh, get it, get on in there and we got to mix you up. But um, send those invites. Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, obviously, Devon, you have an open invite. You were one of my you know, first no, podcast. D- pals. No, Devon, and- you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> Good, and Garrett, you know, that invitation obviously extends to you as well. Whether you guys want to do uh, double guest, if you guys want to do solo guest spots, you guys are more than welcome on uh, Daily Horror Pod and Safe Room if you guys get the inkling to chat uh, horror video games over. Ooh, interesting. I am such, it's, it's funny. I love horror movies, obviously. I am a weenie with video games, horror movie video games scare the shit out of me. And it's so funny because <laughs> I'm, I'm a seasoned experience. vet with movies, you know. With video games, I feel like I'm in control of things, which I don't Ooh. like as much. So that would be <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, in the kind of realm, uh, Alien Isolation, great horror video game, also yep. scares the shit out of me. So One of the uh, first games we covered, and yeah, that was definitely uh, a <laughs> terrible terrifying experience yes yes. i've wanted to get into horror games but i'm also just i'm not a big gamer uh i play madden and unless there was like a there there should be like a zombie mode that would be fun madden on (laughs) madden on zombie mode would be a would be a good time but um uh so we are on to the third film of the predator franchise next episode uh predators um um, it, I think this one might actually be the most divisive of the franchise because um, I think there's a lot of big fans of it, me included. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I know there are some people that really dislike it. Some people are kind of indifferent about it. Uh, the the feelings about this one are pretty all over the map. So uh, excited to have a rewatch of it. I haven't watched it in a few years, so this will be a nice, uh, fresh rewatch. So excited to get yes. into that. Garrett, yes, what yes. are you, uh, you working on right now? Oh, you guys can find me on uh, YouTube and TikTok. Uh, if you guys want to see my thoughts on Prey before our big discussion, I've got a review posted for that, uh, as well as some other horror goodies. I posted my review of uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, so if you want to see my thoughts on that movie uh, and some other things coming, uh, you guys can uh, follow me on TikTok at Garrett McDowell. Uh, if you like some more podcast goodness, uh, you can follow me at my Star Wars podcast, which is uh, Scum and Villainy Pod. Uh, got a lot of exciting stuff to be talking about very, very soon. Uh, but as always, just uh, movies, talking about them on some form or another. What about you, Devon? Oh, you know, yeah, same old, same old jams. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Um, gonna uh, be out in the desert, uh, throwing a little mini uh, festival out in the desert this weekend. So, um, and we're gonna be shooting the whole thing. So excited oh, for cool. that. So uh, so over the next few weeks, we'll have um, some uh, musical performances that uh, I'm sure we're going to be dropping over on the Beta Wave YouTube channel. So excited for that. Uh, it's also a meteor shower, too. So that's going to be. Oh, a, man. Yeah. So it's going to be a, uh, a good time and uh, hopefully um, uh, some get some good footage from it. So excited for that. Yeah. I'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. 
New episodes drop every Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed and you do not miss an episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Blunts Pod. And if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, rate us five stars, write us a nice little review. We'd sure appreciate it. But until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>